Diego, welcome to the Inspired Execution mini-series. Thanks, Chad, for having me. Now, you have had a phenomenal career, right? Started as a developer, you know, you were at Microsoft, uh, you founded Algorithmia, and uh, then that got acquired by DataRobot, and they are, they're doing some really interesting things in this space. And now you are part of a VC firm that is only focused on AI investments, right? Um, through all this, through your illustrious career, right, what has been like one defining moment, you know, or memory that kind of like, I was like, yeah, that was the inflection point for my career. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Uh, uh, greatly exaggerated, but uh, but appreciated. Um, <laughs> actually, I can actually tell you when I got into uh, data. So actually, uh, you know, I, I, I moved from Uruguay to the U.S. and uh, to go to college, and I actually started out as a mechanical engineer. And uh, after uh, a semester, I actually switched into information systems and data. And it was specifically because, well, actually, after a year, because I did an internship uh, with a BI company. And uh, I remember, I think it was like second or third day at the, at the job. You know, my job was to you know just go with one of the consultants and serve coffee, right? Like, I mean, I, I knew nothing. Uh, at that age, right? And, and, and like, yeah, like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, go, go look at what's going on and learn. And, um, and I remember, um, this, this is going to age me a little bit. Uh, sadly, like you'll probably, uh, know what I'm talking about. Um, which is, I, you know, so they were pitching crystal reports. I don't know, like Cognos. Like I know crystal, crystal reports yeah, like, really well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, you know, and, uh, I remember this, this, the, the guy I was going with, the, the consultant, he goes in and, he 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 goes into this senior executive and he's like give me like your i can't remember if it was like an order like a spreadsheet it was like some data source uh and he was like i'm going to tell you something about your business that you don't know and i was like wow that is some confidence right like imagine <laughs> going into somebody's office and just saying i looking them straight in the face and saying i'm going to tell you something about your business that you don't know and he grabbed some data and he kind of like put it together in a report and kind of blah, blah, and like kind of like mushed it around and was like, you know, did you know that you're kind of like sales in this area and you're like not doing, I can't remember exactly what the like output was, but I remember just seeing there being like, I want to do this, like this, this is what I want to do. And like this, this idea that I can affect business decisions, understand what people are working on based on the data that they're collecting and, and interpreting it. Um, like this is, this is like, it was, I was just like mind blown. And it was so intense for me that like, not only did the internship was great, but you know, I went back, changed my career, you know, did my undergrad grad school and that, and my entire career has been in data based on that since that day. And so, wow. so that was the actual, like I like defining moment of, uh, of it. I was just somebody who was extremely cocky, but knew what they were talking about. And uh, it was amazing. I, and I was like, why would anybody want to work on anything else? Wow. That is a, that is a awesome, awesome story. Um, my God, you've, uh, you've dated both of us by talking about crystal reports. Definitely <laughs> <have>. <laughs> um, so, um, let's talk about the evolution of ML. Um, you started an MLOps company, Algorithmia, in you know 2014, long before 
AI was a boom, right? I remember at Datastax, I joined in 2019. In 2020, we were talking about we wanted to be a data company and we were looking at wanting to be an AI company. And we started looking at this thing called MLOps, right? Um, where did you get the idea of, of doing MLOps and why did you think it was so important so yeah. early? So, so you know, I, I'm very much as you know. I get to to to, to blame or give credit to my co-founder, whichever two uh, you wanna you you wanna use. Uh, oh, we get along great. Um, but the it's the same coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, it's exactly. It's like, it's like, it's like you know, I, I one of the things you learn about is like you know, being the absolute first to something is like has its challenges. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, and um, and so I think you know, but a little bit more concrete. I was working on. Uh, so when I worked on Microsoft, I was lucky enough that I actually worked on the uh, on the V1 team that created Power BI and the engine behind Power BI and kind of like the analytics engine behind that. And one of the things that was popping up, I was a I was a product program manager on Excel. Was you know we were building a lot of descriptive analytics tooling, and for the first time predictive analytics were starting to kind of like pop up, like, you know, something very basic, right? Like we're going to go build a trend line. We're going to go uh, kind of like figure out like, you know, kind of like that next step. And one of the features that I um, ended up creating and owning and kind of developing for, for, for Microsoft was something called automatic pivot tables. And uh, automatic pivot tables. If you go into Excel and kind of like click on it, so it, like it's like a big freaking feature. Just to yeah, be and it's and, awesome. and it, it was and it was exciting about that point was that you know we it was the first time I got exposed to grabbing essentially academic work, right? Because this is Microsoft Research, right? So people in Microsoft Research were have working on these kind of like data pilot automation stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, hey, this is amazing. Like, we want this in Excel. Like, this is this is like exactly what we want to ship. And, you know, we have a billion users. And, like, who wouldn't want to ship that? And they're like, oh, yeah, here you go. Here's some, like, you know, code. And you can just, like, put it in. And that was the first time where they're like, well, this is, like, written in, like, MATLAB. And, like, I'm supposed to ship this to, like, a billion users? Like, that's insane. Like, that's never going to happen. Like, how do you, like, that This this won't work. Right? Yeah. And, um and I remember at the time, my my co-founder, who we've been friends for years, he had been constantly being like, machine learning is the future, like people don't understand, like, you know, he's he was doing his PhD in AI and and he's like, and it's so hard. And he's like, I'm so frustrated because it's so hard to put anything of like it's all academic code and nobody's like hardening it, which means nobody will be able to use it. Right? Nobody will be able to and and you know, it was the first time that you are essentially dealing with um, determ you know, like you're moving from deterministic to probabilistic code and what yeah, breaks, yeah, right? Like that was it. And so the thesis behind Algorithmia was the future of code is probabilistic and a bunch of what breaks and like we probably should go fix the things that break. And right. so some things yeah. still work, right? You can still yeah. check in your code into get, you know, to get yeah. and you can still do you know, connectivity into different data sources, but like a bunch of things, everything from how do you deploy it? How do you run inference to how do you, um, you know, kind of like monitor for errors, all this stuff like, and so we essentially kind of like the idea really was the future is going to be machine learning and we probably should go fix some of the kind of like traditional software engineering components that just break down when the code turns probabilistic. And so the, so basically your take was, there's, there is an S SDLC, 
a software development lifecycle. What does that look like in the ML world? And let's go and actually create that. Yeah, Did exactly. I get that, right? that, that was that was really kind of like the you know the super you know yeah you know, we it's a you know and you know this well like you know it's a startup right so twist yeah. and turn and like you know yeah, wrong yeah. corner and like you hit and around but like yes if you abstract you know you look at eight years from the outside like that's what it looks like <laughs> yeah um, you know it's funny um, we'll we'll talk about this in a second uh, tell me uh, if you had to if you had to do this again now. Mm-hmm. With generative AI being as big as it is, would you do it? Or would you say, no, the game has changed significantly, that I will not do uh, gen AI ops? Yeah. Or, or, you know, I, I heard about a company that said, they said they're doing vector ops. And I'm like, ah, it's a little early for that, right? I mean, let's at least get a few <laughs> apps out there for the next two years, right? But would you do that now? Based on your experience, so so, so so I think um, so so the answer is probably yes, but I don't know if there is a like you know I'm still deep in the like is it that different? Like there is stuff that's different, right? Yeah. But like you know like I I was kind of joking around where it's like you know uh, you know to me like people start calling it LLM ops and I'm like you know yeah, yeah. It's still, you know like to me this is still ML ops. You know, if you need a new market map, that's fine. But like, like, let's start actually like looking at, and you know, some things did change, right? Like you needed different hardware or more hardware, but like some components changed, but not like that much from the like workflow and process. And we're still using a lot of the same tooling. And so, um, like to answer your question about would I go into it? Like I'm actively working with companies in that space. So I'm like a huge believer. Um, I think the future of software is, you know, AI, uh, maybe, you know, and, and, you know, and like, I think now it's like, well, duh, but like, I've been saying that for 10 years. So I get a little bit of credit for, for, (laughs) for, for for that. For sure. Um, and you know, to me, the, like, it's always about like, what is stopping us from getting X, Y, Z into production? So, you know, the, the, the one thing that I always really enjoyed about the kind of like BI sector was like the value where the value got created was really like very clear, right? Which was yeah. between the chair and the screen, right? They looked at a they yeah. looked at something, they made yes. an analysis and they made a business decision. That's where the value happens, right? So Correct. all the data sources, the databases, this you know, the all the all the displays and dashboards, all of that is in service of somebody interpreting data and you know kind of like making that into a decision that would affect the business you know hopefully go up or go down whatever you know direction you wanted to go in the world of machine learning it's always about like kind of like hey where do we get to that prediction inference point right where we're going to either make a you know make a prediction create a something like you know automate a workflow so like those value points um to get to them like there's a lot of complexity in the yeah. ops to get there and so Anything in service of that, I think, is a a, a worthy uh, mission to attack. I will um, I will take a little con- just for the just for our listeners. Yes. I'll take a little contrarian view. Of course, um, I liked I really liked the web, and I, the, I really liked mobile, and I really liked the way cloud developed. Right, it was all focused on the kinds of apps that people would build, not. They, they were not very focused on DevOps and data engineering and ML ops and things like that. I think, I think somehow I feel 
that we really need to create space for people to do experimentation mm-hmm. now. And I think you will not disagree with me there. The, but what you are working on now, on let's talk it, let's call it LL, you know, let's call it Gen AI ops. I'm just mm-hmm. going to just put it as a big thing, not LLM, because you know, Gen AI apps are a lot bigger than LLMs. Yep. And as you do this new ops piece, you're building companies that that are that are going to ship features next year that people will use in 25 and 26 and 27 and i think a lot of people get confused in the market where they start thinking they need the op stuff now no use OpenAI, use gemini if you want go and use langchain use llama index slap some stuff together you know use use our database right my that's my point go and experiment like crazy because all the the industry is robust enough that the technology is coming yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's fair. And actually, I don't think it's even that contrarian to com- to, to what I said. So, like, you know, one of the things that I think is, um, you know, I, I kind of talked around, like, you know, if you had pitched, uh, you know, a startup 20 years ago, um, you know, you'd be like, oh, I need money for servers and, like, I need to, like, run this thing and, like, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. like, and now, and then, you know, what happened with the cloud providers was, like, anybody with a credit card right? Could get up and running over a weekend, right? And so like the cost of getting started, prototyping, getting an MVP, like whatever that running. So that is never, that has not existed in AI until now. Like we just, you know, one could argue like ChatGPT was the catalyst, right? Like that really opened the mind. But like, ultimately, like we suddenly have a, you know, a, you know, ML models were single task completers, Right. Uh, up until these kind of foundational models have kind of came out and got popular and ac- access to AI and machine learning yeah. was fairly complex. And so you did yeah. need the ops. You did need yeah. like, you know, to be able to get up and running. You needed your your things. Now, yeah. you're, it's exactly it. Now, I would argue like just slapping, you know, an open AI API into your application will not get you. It will get you an experiment and it will get That's you it. a great prototype and a great demo. It will not get you a product. And it so there is still kind of like a, you know, a, 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 a pretty deep level of, okay, what are the new problems, right? Correct. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, coming up after your experiment is exactly, successful. Exactly, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm very biased because, you know, I, I co-founded a company recently and kind of like the risk and safety. But like, you know, yeah. one of the things that's like, you know, I talk about a lot is that, um, you know, these models, because they are generic task completers, um, yeah. that is their power and their risk. Right, they can do yeah. a bunch of stuff, and maybe I don't want it to do a bunch of stuff. So I need to put guardrails yeah. around them, and so like now there's, and that's kind of an ops operation. It's an application ops operation where it's like, hey, I can't let this thing go off the rails and do what I don't want it to do because it won't complete my product workflow. Um, and so I think the the ops is still necessary because that's what gets us software that's shippable. Right. Yes, but it's where that ops is is shifted. Yes, for sure. And my take is a lot of people think about the ops before they actually do the experiment. And my take is let the experiments happen while there are people thinking about yeah. the ops. And and I absolutely agree. So let's talk about let's talk about guardrails.ai. You just founded this company. Um, uh, we are you and I just enter an elevator. Um, you punch four, I punch seven. We've got twenty seconds. What's the pitch? So. Um- one of the great things around these like models is they can do a lot of things. One of the problems with these models is they can do to a lot of things. And so how do you actually make sure that 
the output of these machine learning models is what you want, right? From a safety perspective, from a risk perspective, that they're operating uh, against your product principles and that you can have some level of guarantees, right? That it's going to behave in a certain way. So guardrailsai.com is a open source library that allows you to build railing, literal railing against, you know, and guards around, you know, the outputs of LLMs to keep them on track in terms of like the behaviors that you want. So that's the... That is awesome. Um, I will, uh, I'm, I'm sure a bunch of our listeners are going to go and definitely check it out. Uh, so you are now uh, an investor. We were talking about this before we started the podcast, which is, you know, um, but you're, you're, you continue to feel like you're a builder, right? You're, you're incubating companies, you're helping them grow, things like that. So uh, tell us a little bit about how, how you how Factory is doing it differently. And then um, what, is, what is the most exciting trend that, you know, what, what are you most excited about in 2024? So, um, yeah, so F Factory was founded by, um, you know, two operators, um, one of them, uh, Christopher Ray, who's a professor over at Stanford, uh, who's had multiple AI, you know, startups and founded multiple AI startups. And the idea was um, to create a kind of venture-like studio where um, we could, based on research and AI research, kind of like build out what the future of AI should look like, or, you know, maybe mold what, you know, uh, what we, um, you know, what, what we want to look. And so the idea was we can look at what's kind of going around the corner uh, from a research perspective and be very, very academically based, understand what, you know, what's a product, what, you know, I, I say, what's a technology, what's a feature, what's a product, what's a company, uh, and, and try to make that determination. So my day-to-day -day is very much focused on like going through with our portfolio companies that journey of understanding, uh, you know, or even pre-portfolio. So uh, Gardels is a good example where Shreya, the CEO, she's, you know, this insanely capable uh, ML engineer. And she came up with this problem, right? Which is like, well, not came up with it. Like she, she, she got obsessed with this problem. And yeah. so even previous to the launching of the open source package, you know, we spent, you know, weeks talking about what might that look like. Uh, and, you know, then you know, built the package and then founded the company and started the company and stuff like that. And so like that, that kind of like workflow is kind of how we, uh, you know, we think about building kind of the, you know, the future of companies. Uh, another pretty, you know, kind of like, um, uh, at this point, uh, today, famous companies, this company called Together.ai, which is also kind of like incubated yeah. inside, uh, you know, inside Factory, which is, you know, right now kind of like probably a, a big deal in the world of open source machine learning and, yeah. and AI yeah. and Gen AI. And so our goal here, you know, from our perspective, from the, you know, the, the, the partner's perspective is exactly that. Like, how do we, how do we kind of have a disciplined approach to kind of like create, you know, you know, shaping the, the future of AI, um, sure. you know, uh, from a, from a company building perspective. So that was the first part of the question. Sorry, I went long. Uh, you, you talked about like, kind of like what excited. So, you know, I think, you know, the, the exciting thing to me now is, um, that you know foundational models have really opened like like in my opinion a, you know a, a positive pandora's box of imagination uh and it's one of these like to me like this like kind of like we will look back in time and say this was a 
kind of like mass shift uh, in terms of, you know, like what the, you know, in, in, in the world of technology, right? In the same way where like the first OSs came out, the internet came out, like where what we're seeing right now, in my opinion, is pretty like, let's fit this new thing to what we already knew. And the next stage is like the next level of interfaces, like the next kind of like, you know, so, so, so what we're seeing right now still is like, and, not, and I, don't, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, because I actually think there's like a million businesses that are fantastic where you literally can slap an API with AI onto a business and it's going to be spectacular. Uh, but like, there's a whole new world of interfaces, of abstractions, of, 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 of human computer interactions that are about to open up based on yeah. the idea that now we can express in our own natural language with computers. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so we're moving from this, like, you know, uh, punch card to code to like moving mouse in, you know, moving mice in, in keyboards. Line, and now, yeah. you know, we're, we're interacting in our, you know, in our human language with computers and they're interacting with us. And this is opening a whole new level of interfaces and workflows. And I think it's going to change, uh, you know, what excites me is that I don't know what's on the other side of this, but like it's it's a whole new world and it's exciting. And so I think like that's the, 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 those new experiences are the ones that I think are, 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 are close, right? Where we're seeing them happen in life. And I think for me personally, this is the greatest technological advance I'll see in my lifetime. And so it's, it's cool to be part of it. For, for, for sure. Um, by the way, there's, there's, there's no shame in beautiful haikus. <laughs> right there's there's absolutely there's nothing there's there's nothing uh there's no shame there but i read something the other day which is um somebody said that they brainstormed with chat gpt now uh and this was actually a google employee that actually said um they actually do it with bard but you know you keep it on you keep talking like you're brainstorming and it's recording everything mm -hmm. and then you say summarize for me and you can go deeper and say do some research on this so it's kind of a it's kind of a cool thing. You're, you know, you're changing the way you work, but you're also changing the way you think, right? And a lot of people don't spend a lot of time about that. It's not just changing the way you work. It's also changing the way you think. And that's your point, right? Because you're, when, you, when, you went from, when you went from punch cards to a, to a graphical user interface into the green screen, you actually had this, you know, you had this beautiful thing. You actually changed the way you work. Right. And so it made a, it made a difference. So I'm super, by the way, I would agree a hundred percent. This is going to be the most excited, um, most excitement that anybody will hear uh, and anybody will feel in this lifetime. Right. It is going to this is uh, this is going to be the biggest industrial revolution that mankind has ever gone through. Right. And we will given our history, you know, as as a human race. Right. We will emerge really victorious. Right. It'll be ups and downs. But the, the, I, I loved what Jensen from NVIDIA said, right, which is, when is the last time where a company became more productive, they did layoffs? Yeah. Never. Whenever they get more productive, they hire more people, right? Yeah. So let's increase productivity. Let's come up with new, amazing new revenue models, amazing new ways of doing business and interacting with people, and everything will start taking care of itself, right? So I have a very optimistic view of this because I really do think that, you know, people with AI you know, humans with AI will actually be the ones that will change. And I don't think it's that far away because unlike every other wave, this is going to accelerate. Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much like, 
I said this at a, on a on a talk I did the other day, and like I have no stock in in OpenAI, so like I'm not suggesting it, but I'm just saying like if you have any of your readers, uh, listeners here, like who have not interacted with some of these foundational models, like this should be like the first thing you do. Like you should drop everything no, no. you do after this. I think, like, we, like I think podcast we have a requirement, and, Diego. Yeah, and just if you, because, with, if you have not played with ChatGPT, you should not listen to the podcast. Yeah, and and it's and it's amazing. I use it every day. Uh, yeah. I use multiple LLMs in my workflows on a daily basis. Uh, everything from helping me write product specs to uh, questioning my product specs to uh, you know helping do research. Like I, I do feel 10x productivity because of the uh, you know the the kind of like assistant. Like it's like the kind of the promise of AI or you know. Uh, some people had called it like augmented intelligence instead of artificial. And it's really true. Like I do feel augmented. I feel I can do yeah. in two hours what I used to do in six. I can uh, I can be more thorough. I can have better insights. And like, why wouldn't you want to do that for yourself? Like, right? right. Just from a self-growth perspective, like I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of a, you're, you're tricking yourself by not working with this stuff. This is awesome, man. We could, we could, uh, we're definitely going to meet offline. But I, it seems like we'd have a podcast and talk about this for like another hour. Yeah, this I love has been it. awesome. So, Diego, I'm going to go to the rapid fire part. Um, and so, quick questions, quick answers. Um, what's a problem humanity is facing that you want AI to solve first? Um, I think quicker ways of doing retraining of, of, of humans is really uh, something that AI can be extremely good at and is very necessary because we're about to enter into a pretty aggressive creative destruction period uh, thanks to this technology. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, what's one thing in your day-to-day -day life that you want AI to automate? Um, anything that has to do with scheduling. I am so bad at it. <laughs> um, Something unrelated to AI that you're passionate about? Uh, cooking. <laughs> I love cooking. Okay. And I don't think AI is ever going to get uh, in the way of that. It's, uh, it's art. Yeah, it is art. But it does actually put a really good recipe together and makes you order it from DoorDash sure. or from Instacart. Sure. But, right? but that, that, so, the uh, process of you experimenting and uh, uh, the suggestions might come from them, but like the taste and the kind of like the workflow, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's closer to the art than science. What's the what's the go-to dish? My go-to okay, so I, I grew up in South America, so like I am like like anything on a grill is like you know kind of like religion to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one word you would use to describe the best tech leaders. One word. Persistent. Um, one word to describe how you feel about the future of AI. Amazed? Yeah, this is awesome. Diego, it has been an absolute blast. Um, I think our, our listeners are going to love this episode. I really appreciate you making the time. And um, I look forward to doing this again, but also spending some time and hanging out with you. Thank Thanks you again. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.